You're listening to the Long Overdue Podcast. On today's episode, you have me, Denise, and Chris, and we're going to have several special guests joining us on this episode. We're going to be doing a writer's group spotlight episode where we have different members from our writer's group coming in and sharing sort of a short flash fiction type stories that all have a music theme. Since we're doing Libraries Rock for our summer reading, we thought it'd be a great topic, subject, theme. Yes. <laughs> All of the above. All of it. Yes. Uh, so our first guest is Nella. Nella, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, sure. <laughs> uh, my name is Nella, and I joined the writers group here about, probably about a year ago now, and I have thoroughly enjoyed every time I've got to come, learn so much. There's so many people in this class that can really teach me a lot, and I'm excited about that. Um, before I joined the class, I started writing a book about some loss and grief in my life, and um, <laughs> they've been very patient with me crying through almost every time I come and read <laughs> some of my work. <laughs> but this one's more of a lighthearted one, and this actually did happen in my life, but um, I'm still an old maid, still looking for Mr. Perfect, you know how that is. And uh, But anyway, this is one of the episodes that went that was in my earlier part of my life. Right. Whenever you're ready. You want me to go ahead and read then? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, my. Y'all are going to laugh at me. Every girl dreams of a handsome Prince Charming that comes into her life, sweeps her off of her feet, falls in love, gets married, and has 2.5 children with a white picket fence, the house, not the children. I thought my Prince Charming had found me at last. I met Ronald at a gospel singing where we were the featured artist at a Texas church. We knew his family and loved them. Tall and tanned with blue eyes, he caught my attention right away. We were introduced after church and got acquainted that night. He was shy, and I loved drawing him into a conversation and getting to know him better. He responded, and I could feel an instant connection. It wasn't long before I heard from him, and we started a long-term friendship that ignited into a definite spark. I had, other, had had other men friendships in the past, some of whom asked me to marry them, and I actually was interested enough to pray about the future with them, but it never seemed the right one. This was different. Ronald seemed like a perfect fit in my life, and when I realized I was falling deeply in love, I took the whole thing to the Lord in prayer. He said no, but I didn't want to accept that. Ronald broke up with me the next weekend, and I was heartbroken. Years later, I was remembering some crisis in my life, and I questioned the Lord in prayer about the lost relationship. Lord, I remember one of my major crises. Do you remember Ronald? What happened there? I gave him free will. He didn't choose you. That seemed harsh, but true. But Father, he seemed so right. He fit in well with the family, and even Angie, the sister who was hard to impress, loved him. He was a good driver for the singing group and helped to unload and set up the heavy equipment. Well, there's more to marriage than unloading things. I know, I know, but I started to fall in love with him, and I do love a hard-working man. I always felt respected and protected by him all those years we were dating. He had been a policeman after all. I'm aware. 
When I realized I was falling in love with him, I began to pray about your perfect will, Lord. I wanted you to say yes. I thought I had found the one. I had no idea you would say no. I didn't realize that prayer would end the relationship almost immediately. Why didn't you fix it so I could have my dream? Why did you say no? I was mad at you. It hurt so much, and I didn't understand. I had been shot in the heart and felt it shatter. I was dying inside and wanted to die outside, if truth be told. I know. I was right there. I heard every word, and I caught every tear. Well, I couldn't find you for days. I went looking for you, and you were gone, too. I felt like you abandoned me when Ronald left. Where were you? Waiting. God is so patient. Waiting for what? I needed you. Waiting for you to come ask for my help and empty yourself in a prayer of all that bitterness and anger. You were so angry with me, and it separated us. I didn't move. You moved away from me to nurse those wounds. Well, it hurt, like terribly. You asked for my perfect will, Nella, but really you wanted your will, didn't you? I guess if I'm honest, yes, I wanted to marry that one. Why didn't you make that happen? Again, he has a free will. It was his choice. I gave him a free will like I did you, but I never left or abandoned you. Do you remember the song you played over and over? The one called Thread of Hope, written by Diana Gillette? I sang some of it to the Lord. Verse 2 says, Is that you hanging on to afraid and fragile faith? Are you just clinging to the rocks above the canyon they call dismay? Reach out for the lifeline. It will never break in two. Just hold fast and don't lose heart. Once again, God will pull you through. The chorus goes, Because when you're hanging by a thread, still you can climb life's mountain. Though the cliffs are rough and jagged, still you can cope. If you should slip and reach from sin, you'll find the hem of his garment. So don't let go of that last thread of hope. That's the song. I timed it just right so that when you were ready, Nella, I let you really hear that song. You were finally ready to let me have the wounds and break you out of that prison you were living in. I really wanted you to listen with a broken heart to those words. I had a reason. I've learned God always has a reason. I do remember it marked the beginning of the climb out of the pit of loss and grief. I eventually felt like living again. Did you learn anything from it all? I hung my head. Softly I answered. I did, Father. I developed some character traits I would never have gained had I not experienced that heartbreak. Some new songs were born out of me and a new ministry with different directions were forming. Looking back 20 years later, I can honestly say you did know best. I loved you enough, Nella, to allow your journey through that valley. I never doubted you would make it. I knew my grace was sufficient. The gain was worth the loss. You needed that lesson to effectively help others walking that valley. My mind went back to the dozens of times I had with tears told that story in my life before we sang Thread of Hope, and I'd watched many others get their healing through that connection. Yes, the gain was worth the loss. Okay, I get it, but I'm still waiting on Mr. Perfect. Duly noted. God has a sense of humor. <laughs> that was pretty traumatic in my life. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. Well, I think it was, it's great to have uh, 
to have you here reading this story as a, a personal experience with uh, with music and how it related to to your life and and your faith and the way you you look at those experiences in the past. Um, I think it's a very it's a very great addition to our our collection of stories that we're going to have here. Yeah, I can't wait to hear them all. I know other writers have different slants on music. Can't wait to hear them all. Sure. Yeah, I know it's going to be. A lot of variety, and it's yeah, going to be it interesting. Is. I but think it's going to uh, be, yeah, because yeah, we have some sci-fi coming up, mm-hmm. and also another tearjerker. Yeah, <laughs> another another true true story. Yeah, yeah, and uh, your delivery was very good. Yeah, no, you thank read you. you read really well. Of course, having thank experience you. with uh, performing, it should. Should just come a second nature, right? Yeah, but this was my first <laughs> podcast, and I was terrified. <laughs> no, you did great. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I loved coming and doing this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, and you know, get a lot of practice reading for the writers group. Yeah. Yeah, that's too. true. Yeah. <laughs> I look forward to that every every class we have. Yeah. For hearing sure. everybody's stories, and sometimes we don't get to the end of them. We have to wait till the next mm-hmm. class. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So people are working mm-hmm. on novels and such. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Piece by piece. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Noah. Thank you so much. Thank y'all for, for having by. me. I loved it. Loved yeah. it. Good. Keep good. up the good work, y'all doing this. Absolutely. Oh, our next special guest is our very own Chrissy. So, Chrissy, you got your story already? I think I do. Okay, great. And so you're presenting us with a science fiction tale? Yes. And I've titled it The In-Between. Ooh. All right. Sounds good. So whenever you're ready. The stars receded into the indigo felt that was the space surrounding this green ball they now orbited. Transitioning into and out of faster than light always seemed to smear the particles of the universe and took what was familiar and made it almost unknowable. We could reach out and touch the stars through space travel, but you couldn't touch the in-between. Solid and sound, but not. These were the kinds of things Camber pondered while traveling in the underbelly of his current hire. As chief engineer, he had the front row seat in the clockworks of space travel. Bussard energy collector in the bow, thrusters in the stern, and a myriad of moving parts inside. His favorite deployment thus far was also his most worrisome. The glass-bottom boat, for it was literally that with multiple 8x8 portals studding the floor, was kicking and screaming its its way between ports. The new stop was not originally planned, but Camber had insisted to the point of near mutiny. The company was paying an exorbitant amount for his expertise, and he insisted they listen to it. The bright green bauble taking position under his feet contained the only race, or more accurately, sub-race, of beings Camber knew that could possibly cure what ailed this rust bucket. Camber had already done everything he knew of from his hundred-odd years of experience, and still this engine labored. It was something minute, an itch, just past his reach. It was like the space between space, that one spot in between. Camber couldn't touch it, but he thought they could. That's it? A voice interrupted Camber's reverie. That's the lost colony? Camber glanced up briefly to spy his new second, Dano, coming down the ladder and staring at the green ball hanging in the void. Give a hand, Dano. The regulators jimmied loose on reentry. 
Dano dropped down the rest of the way and hurried over to assist. Both of them stood up to their elbows in machinery, working silently for several minutes until Camber became aware of Dano alternating between contemplating him and wielding a multi-jointed wrench. What? Camber queried. How do you do it? Do what? Stay in here. You ask silly questions, Dano. Camber replied to a dumbfounded-looking Dano. He continued, Say what you mean, mean what you say. Oh, uh, Dano began again. How do you stay in here during transitions? Doesn't it ever freak you out? No, I like seeing the view change. Wow, yeah, that's what sends me to the next deck. The reds and browns and golds of this room, Camber mused. Contrasted with the rainbow whites and blacks from the windows, it's a psychedelic kaleidoscope. Dano snickered. Makes me ride the liquid slide. Dano's last statement made Camber chuckle before both men settled back in, into a steady and familiar silence until the work was done and the silence was finally interrupted by a chirp from the comm. Camber finished wiping off his hands before depressing the call button. Engine room, Camber here. Chief... This is the bridge. Captain was wanting a status update. Camber knew the captain didn't call sooner because she didn't want to interrupt him while he did what he called settling the ship down. She knew as well as him what a precarious line they walked every time they engaged the drives. She didn't want details, just the bits that mattered, the bits that would keep them alive and hopefully functioning for as long as possible. Tell Captain, Camber leaned into the comm, it's good that was our last jump. Understood, replied the communications officer, who then continued. Captain, would like you to know, Chief, that we have been contacted by the shipyard and will be queuing up at eventide. Oh, that's quick. They owe Captain a favor or something? No favors, Chief. The yard is aware of our needs and wanted us moored before local, local quiet hours. Camber was impressed and appreciative. Well, he said, that's a right nice welcome. Yes, Chief. Bridge crew agrees. We'll let you know before we begin maneuvering toward the shipyard. Bridge out. Camber depressed the comm button a second time to cut the connection from his end. Pivoted back toward the center of the room, only to see Dano lying flat on his belly across one of the portals. Dano? Look how green it is, Chief. I mean, if you look, really look, you could see every other color too. But still, green everywhere. Where's the water? Camber smiled at Dano's enthusiasm and answered, Water's underneath all that green. Planet's pretty much just a water surface, and all that green just floats on top. It's all plant. No mountains or valleys? But what about... Dano broke off as the calm tripped. Discussion for another time, Dano. The next morning, Camber arrived for a shift to a surprise. He thought he couldn't really be surprised anymore, but this definitely got his attention. Well, hello, he said to an individual currently wielding a tuning fork. The stranger didn't verbally respond, but simply raised an index finger. Camber, Camber puzzled over the stranger. Well, strangeness. He appeared humanoid and male, but from that he couldn't say this male was human. But of course he had to be. He must be a colonist, and they were all humans. The lost colony had resorted to genetic manipulation to survive the planet's surface, but he was still beyond even Camber's expectations. He was practically hairless except for a short patch on his crown and finely textured skin like sandy pebbles. And the most strange of all, no ears. Not even a hole where the ear canal should be. 
And that was the one odd thing Camber fixated on. This earless stranger, eyes closed, holding a tuning fork. And then he opened his eyes. That'll do it, he said. What'll do? Camber asked. All fixed. Shouldn't have any more problems. Replaced a few parts, realigned some others, and smoothed out the particulate chamber surfaces. Regular was done, but you knew that. Yeah, housing slipped every down transition. But the chambers, I clean them every other run. Just have it. I noticed you take care of this old wheel, but the particulates that you can't see, the ones that are microns thick, and the ones that are the ones that cause the shifts, you wouldn't, able, wouldn't be able to detect them. They build up and in the right con concentrations will cause a variance in the vibrations on a molecular level. Enough of them can cause cascade failures, parts work harder, wear out faster. When did you start this morning? Oh, I got here last night. Couldn't sleep with all the noise. Noise, Camber tried to ask the stranger more, but was interrupted by Daniel sliding feet first down the ladder. Well, hey, a native, he beelined toward the stranger, fingers outstretched in a customary fingertip greeting. Something Camber realized he'd forgotten to do, so he too extended his hand. I'm Dano. You met Chief Camber. You must be a colonist. I'm Jim. Chief, I think you were wondering how I heard the noise. Chagrined Camber nodded his head once. Dano's eyes widened and he smiled. Camber thought he had just noticed Jim's lack of ears. All the colonists are like me, well, mostly. My look is a little more extreme, Jim said with a wink toward Dano. My sense of touch is heightened to the point I can feel sound. That's how I knew your ship was in trouble. I could hear the discordance. It was out of sync and you can hear it, Camber mused, interested. It's in harmony now. Everything vibrates and makes a sound. Stars, planets, rocks, plants, and animals. It's the molecules that do it. And when things aren't healthy, there's harmony. When they're not... Then there's discordance. And my engine was an instrument out of tune. Fascinating. Jim, would you consider coming with us? You'd get a good wage. I couldn't. Transitions are too much for me. I've tried. Really, I enjoy them the most. The bits smearing together, almost touching but not. That's what I don't like, Jim said while Dana nodded slowly. Jim continued. It's like going from one note on a sheet of music to another but being stuck in between, holding that one sound, and you don't know when the sound will move. Jim finished and Daniel's head switched from nodding to a confused and slow shake. But Camber knew what Jim meant. Even as they said their goodbyes and Jim climbed the ladder out of sight, Camber finally had the words for what he felt his whole life but couldn't hear. He learned to listen to music from a man without ears, and now he could know the in-between. So I like that. That was quite an abstract view of music. I guess not really an abstract view, more of a down to the basics of vibrations. and. Well, I find it interesting that when people talk about music, they really focus on instruments, mm -hmm. singing, uh, notes, the sounds things make that we can detect. But uh, music comes from all areas and all through science you can read about um how um, proto stars make noise mm -hmm. you know everything has uh, vibrations that are detectable and even the pl our planet itself has sounds that it makes mm -hmm. and then you have people like mozart or beethoven or some of our classical um uh, musicians that write music and and some of them 
got their inspiration from nature. Mm -hmm. Much of Mozart's music is based on birds that he would listen to. Um, Or was it Beethoven? One of them. (laughs) (laughs) But they all do it. So I find it interesting that we can get music from all different um, aspects of life and that being out of harmony in oneself or in, in whatever manner, and this is an, a, a new age idea, this is just, it is. When you're out of harmony, out of step, that it can, it can affect your health, it can affect the way you view things, it can affect how you interact. I mean, even just the right vibration hit on a bridge can bring it down. Mm-hmm. So that's always uh, interested me. So I wanted to write a story that kind of hit on those kind of aspects. Cool. That's cool. Yeah. I like the concept of the space between because i've also heard it said that um oh and you know it's true part of music is also silence mm-hmm. the spaces in between you don't have music without those breaks that's what really that's that's part of the mm-hmm. it's part of the music so or the space between two tracks mm-hmm. sometimes is the you know the time of contemplation before you begin the next piece yeah or the white space in a piece of writing you know mm-hmm. sometimes I think that was in a writing class that my teacher told me that. <laughs> they compared the white space, you know, from one writing to another mm-hmm. as spaces, like the silent spaces in a, a work of music. So that's kind of what I was thinking when you first started re- talking about the space between. Mm-hmm. And when Camber is talking about how he likes to watch um, through the windows while they're transitioning. I mean, that's exactly what uh, how I envisioned it is when you're looking at a piece of sheet music, and I um, grew up reading sheet music. You know, I couldn't do it as well now, but it always interested me that, um, you know, depending on uh, the beat or how, how long your rest period is or the way the note is written tells you how much space is in between one sound to the next sound. Mm-hmm. And... Many times people will think that those spaces, whether it's in uh, like a written story or even on music, those white spaces don't count for anything. They don't mean anything, but they do Mm -hmm. because our perception when we're looking, I'm looking at my written story right here and I can see it's the white spaces that tell me where the paragraphs are, the sentences, Mm -hmm. the um, separations, all of that fun stuff in the dialogue. So the white spaces have just as much meaning as the dark spaces. Mm-hmm. So that is that's the picture I had in my head when Camber looks out the window is the space between two notes in the transition. So the transitioning is just as important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. All right, very cool. Yeah. All right, well, thanks for joining us. Mm-hmm, thank you. Thank you for letting me read my story. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so our next special guest is Tammy. Tammy's been on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. Nice to have you back, Tammy. It's glad to be back. Good. Yeah. All right, then. So you got a story for us today? Yes, I do. It's called Memories of Music. Great. So whenever you're ready. All right. Memories of Music. Mama, Hannah sounded all irritated as she sat in the back seat. Yes, baby. Miss Caldwell is making us write a paper at school. Hannah folded her arms. That's horrible. What is she thinking? Mama's sarcasm poured out. I know, right? Well, I have to write about a favorite memory. Hannah grabbed her backpack 
Oh, that's easy. With our family, every moment of your life, baby girl, should be a favorite memory. Mama laughed. Not my favorite memory. A favorite memory of a family member. It's supposed to help us learn about our family or something like that. Hannah started digging in her backpack. I don't understand why these teachers want you kids to go to school to learn something. Well, I have to interview a family member. And since you're here, can I interview you? Hannah got her notebook and a pen. Um, I guess so. Okay, the question I have to ask is, from your childhood, what is your favorite memory and why? Now, if you can't remember that far back, I can ask Aunt Sandy. She's always telling stories about you. Hannah started writing in her notebook. Surrey, make a note. Have a talk with Aunt Sandy. Have a talk with Aunt Sandy is now in your notes, Surrey replied. Well, Hannah tapped her pen. Uh, well, what? Do you have a favorite memory? Hannah spoke slowly and stressed each word. Of course I do. Is it a long memory? My paper only has to be a page long. Hannah held up a notebook at Mama. Mama pulled into the drive and put the car in park and took a deep breath and leaned her head back. Mama, you're not talking. How am I supposed to write if you don't talk? Patience, my grasshopper. Is your memory about a grasshopper? Hannah was surprised. No, that's from a show I watched as a kid. You watched a show about a grasshopper? Hannah was confused now. Forget the grasshopper. Well, what is your favorite memory? Hannah was getting very impatient. Music. Mama turned and looked out the window. Uh, that's it? Music? I think I'm going to need a little more than that, Mama, to fill the page. Hannah tapped her pen on the paper. <sighs> Memories are a lifelong baby girl, and this one took a lifetime to make and is still in the making. Is a lifetime a page long? I only need a page, remember? Hannah shook the notebook. Oh, baby girl, you are a mess. Mama, focus. You are worse than Daddy at a garage sale. <sighs> With a deep sigh, Mama started to weave her story. You never knew my daddy. He died before you were born. In 1970, there was an explosion in my hometown. I was in the first grade. I still remember sitting in class when the principal came to tell my teacher what had happened. My daddy and my first grade teacher, Mrs. Hawkins' husband, were both in the explosion. Mr. Hawkins died, and my daddy was badly burned. Mama rolled the window down. That is your favorite memory? Oh, Mama, that is so depressing. No, that is not my favorite memory. My favorite memory comes from that. If anyone had a reason to be unhappy or depressed, my daddy did. He'd been a very handsome man, a looker, my mama said. But now he was scarred. And I'm not sure I remember what he looked like before, but I didn't care. I was just glad he lived. Before the explosion, he was always singing with the radio. After the explosion, he still sang with the radio. I watched Hee Haw every Saturday night sitting on his lap. You watched what? Hee Haw. You watched a show about singing donkeys? Hannah was confused. No, silly. It was country music. For my daddy's lap, I watched legends sing. Only I didn't know they were legends at the time. So that's your favorite memory. Hannah was trying to get to the point. That's the start of my favorite memory. You see, songs wake up memories of special times in my life. Mama, do you remember any of those songs or the legends? Hannah put down the notebook. Like it was yesterday. Crystal Gale had the longest hair I'd ever seen, but you better not make her brown eyes blue. 
and with his deep southern voice, Charlie Pride would kiss an angel good morning. Mm-hmm. Kenny Rogers was a gambler who was also the coward of the county and had a girl named Lucille who took his love to town. Lynn Anderson never promised you a rose garden. And Glenn Campbell, he sparkled like a rhinestone cowboy on TV. Waylon sang about Lookenbach, Texas, while Willie told mamas, don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys. Donna Fargo was the happiest girl in the whole USA. And then there was Dolly. Oh, Dolly. She was a whippersnapper who would always love this guy, but fought over him with some girl named Jolene. John Denver was thanking God he was a country boy while he was letting the country road take him home. This all played on our old TV while I sat on Daddy's lap, and he sang. This is where I learned to love music. How come you don't listen to those songs anymore? Hannah leaned over the car seat. I do, just not often. But as I grew older, the music I listened to changed. What do you mean? Hannah looked at Mama and leaned her head on the seat. Music evolved. Rock and roll started its journey into history as I rolled into middle school. The Eagles sang about a desperado with lying eyes who was taking it easy at the Hotel California. The first all-girl band got together. They called themselves the Go-Go's. They sang with lips that were sealed while they got the beat. They didn't last long. Def Leppard let love bite them. Joan Jett and the Blackhearts hated themselves for loving some guy. Then Cherry Bomb exploded their career. Meatloaf, which was not a food, was crying out loud while trying to get two out of three right. I still remember falling asleep to the radio playing Journey, trying to figure out who's crying now, why I didn't stop believing and remained faithfully. Sounds kind of fun, Mama. Hannah climbed over the seat. Oh, high school was a scream, Mama started laughing. As I drove my old Ford Maverick around the drag of our small town, Tina Turner was looking for another hero in her high heels. Pat Benatar was firing away at shadows at the night while trying to get hit with your best shot. REO Speedwagon was keeping on loving you as they took it on a run. Now, Rick Springfield, he was madly in love with Jesse's girl. Rod Stewart, oh, he was trying desperately to stay forever young while the police was counting every breath you take. Led Zeppelin rocked our world with Stairway to Heaven. That was our theme to our junior-senior prom. Then Mama paused. Then I left home. I two-stepped my way through college with George Strait still making it to Cheyenne and then Amarillo by morning while carrying his love. Alabama was one of my faves. They were making sure everyone had a fiddle in the band while playing that mountain music and Dixieland delight in their hearts. Shania Twain made sure everyone knew what any man of hers would be like, and Diamond Rio taught us to meet in the middle. Everyone learned how to do that stupid, achy-breaky heart with Billy Ray Cyrus while boot-scootin' boogie with Brooks and Dunn. Garth Brooks, well, he was just too young to feel this damn old. But you don't listen to those songs either. Hannah looked hard at Mama. I do occasionally. But why not all the time? Hannah questioned. Oh, baby girl, because sometimes memories make you cry, Mama whispered. Why? You see, baby girl, Mama choked back a tear. My childhood was hard, and the only happy times were spent with my daddy. He never let those scars on his face stop him from singing with the radio. There was always music somewhere playing with my daddy, singing along in my childhood. You want to know my favorite memory? Oh, baby girl, my favorite memory would have to be just me and him riding in his old beat-up pickup truck with the windows down, a dog sitting in the middle, and the radio playing. 
I'd hang my head out the window and let it fly up and down, and Daddy would be singing about silver wings carrying him away. As those wings faded out of sight, so did my Daddy. I would give anything for those silver wings to carry him back for one more ride in that old pickup truck. It's hard to listen to the radio now and not have some memory of my daddy singing to me. Mama, Hannah whispered. Yes, baby. Can we go for a ride with the windows down? And can you find one of those songs on the radio? I want you to sing to me, Hannah put on her seatbelt. I sure can, baby girl. Trying not to cry over here. <laughs> oh. Oh. Uh, between you and Nella. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Yeah. Very Thank good. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It's good. Um definitely brings back memories. Yeah. yeah. Well, we enjoy all the the fun play with the different bands and the songs and stuff. It was very um, kind of poetic almost. <laughs> it also um, shows my age. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, <laughs> Um, I may not be like, I just won't, I'm not going to say it like that. <laughs> I'm just going to say that, that I'm old enough to recognize even some of the older songs on there. So, some songs will live forever. That's right. Yeah. yeah there's the, the, you know, those, uh, those hits that, that just mm-hmm. carry on through time. Yeah. So, yeah, I, rec- I recognize most of them. You recognize them, right, yeah. Denise? Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. It was very creative the way you strung all well, those thank together. You. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And so this was a, a memory from your your own childhood. Yes, um, I was in first grade. I was about six years old when Dad was in his explosion. But I can remember before the explosion that I mean he just he loved to sing with the radio and he would make up words sometimes and mm-hmm. change them and mm-hmm. put our, us kids' names in them and made us feel good and we just loved it. He was a happy, happy man. And then after the um, explosion, there was. There was about a year that was a little tough, but then he just came back around and he was he was happy again. Mm-hmm. He would sing and he would go down. I mean, even when he was before he died, um, he'd go down the road and he'd have the window down and a dog in the front seat and you'd hear the radio blaring mm-hmm. and he'd have his he'd have a blinker on and the whole town knew he wasn't turning, but he would turn his <laughs> blinker on and leave that blinker on and he would just sing to that radio. He knew he knew all the all the legends. He just knew them, and he loved a good fiddle. Yeah, you know, and mm-hmm. and uh, before the accident, you know, they would go dancing. But after the after he didn't, you know. But mm-hmm. but I can remember that. I just, you know, he loved music. You know, and back then, you know, times were a little different. You mm-hmm. know, you didn't go out as much as you know people go out now. Mm-hmm. So watching hee haw and listening to the radio were yeah. things that we did. Yeah. Now we weren't the you know like the Waltons by any means where mm-hmm. we sat around and listened to the radio, but you know in the garage <laughs> there was radio playing, right. in the kitchen there'd be radio playing. So we just he loved his music, right? And he'd talk about those people, No Show Jones and mm-hmm. Tammy Wynette and all those. Mm-hmm. So Charlie Daniels, he loved all those. So very cool. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us again, Tammy, and yeah. thank you for sharing your great story. Well, thanks yeah, for inviting thank you very me. Much. Yeah. So, for our final story of this episode, we have Chris, who will be reading. That's right. Um, oh, the story that I'm reading. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Right now, I'm calling it Black Metal Origins. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yes. So, whenever you're ready. Okay. I'm gonna start now. 
This is from the diary of a Norwegian musician. It's dated January 5th and the 1800s. The rest of the year is illegible. I've nearly come to the end of my year-long retreat into the wilderness. We are well into the depths of winter now. The weather has been cold and merciless. It is a chilly purgatory for my soul. Yet I have not received the inspiration I have sought. I have left the staff paper and the pen close to my person so that my ink will not freeze. Yet as planned, I have not used it once. I cannot bear to scribe another note of trite drivel, and I will only write again when I have received what I have come for. O wilderness, O land of Norg, grant me your wisdom. Let me hear your voice. Now I sit here in quiet repose. I think there is a storm coming. It is safe to expect much snow and wind. If I die out here in the elements, I pray that what I've been looking for finds me. Even if I cannot share it with the world, it would be worth it. This is the next entry from that same diary, dated January 6th, the next day. This may be my final entry, yet it is the most important. The storm came much sooner than I anticipated, and without the shelter prepared, I lost myself in the rush of snow and wind. Walking until I could no longer feel my limbs, I believed that it was a hallucination when I found a silhouette of a tower in the distance. I pressed on. I am still uncertain of the nature of what I found. The architecture is not familiar to me, and yet it appears ancient and deteriorating. The area provided shelter from the wind. As I moved in near the inner wall, the floor gave beneath me, sending me tumbling downward. When the ground caught me, I found myself completely enveloped by darkness. A quick sur survey of my numbed extremities assured me that I sustained minimal injury, except for a wet, sticky substance seeping through my coat around my ribs. Blood. Perhaps a protrusion had given me a bad jab on the way down, and I was just too frozen with cold to feel it. Further investigation revealed that it was not blood, but something more precious soaking through my coat. My inkwell had shattered. But to what end? I knew that without a doubt I would die down here, without getting close to my goal at that. Gathering myself, I sat in the darkness. After a moment, I dug through my meager gear and retrieved a candle. With some effort, I managed to get it lit, revealing a precious portion of space and a hand-carved tunnel going forward and a steep incline returning to the surface behind me. Just as soon as I got my bearings, a gust tore through my little refuge and extinguished the tiny flame. Just as well wait in the dark as burn the candle. I don't know how long I waited there, in that crushing darkness, with the screaming of winter demons above me and the somehow ambient silence of the cave grinding on my senses. It must have been a very long time. At some time during this night, my senses gave up on reality and fully embraced the music around me. Suddenly I felt I, I heard everything so much clearer than before. The screaming wind became a chorus of dissonant chords. The dull sounds of the cave became fully present. Somewhere a rhythmic drip. Was I mistaken, or did I also hear the sound of something alive in the cave with me, moving with a cadence, scratching the walls, and breathing in time? At that moment, I understood the truth of what I was hearing. It was what I came for. The darkness and the cold revealed it to me. 
When my senses returned to normal and my trance had ended, I lit my candle, took my knife, and drew the only ink I had available from my own veins. Using my fountain pen as best I could, I speckled my staff paper with the haphazard notes as I recalled them. This music has demanded my life of me, but I hope that I live to play these compositions myself, or that someone else finds them. Yet I am at peace to have heard them at all. The next set of entries is from a role-playing forum called Dark Truths. This was posted uh, November 1st, 2018. The first poster is called Conveyor, and the following poster is called Hermeticus. And this is the conversation that follows. You've seen it, haven't you? The interview with Redacted. She's dangerously close to revealing our secrets. I did see it. It is true. She called him the grandfather of black metal. What are we going to do about it? Does she understand what she's done? She is still young and new to the practice. Whatever her gifts, she has no more right than anyone to share these truths with the unhearing world. We will have to confront her. She must know the fate of those who transgress. There are those who have died for less. It will ruin her. She'll never practice again, even if she continues to create music. What about the interview itself? Can we have it taken down or destroyed? Perhaps. However, to the unhearing, it alone will not be enough to reveal the truth. To the uninitiated, it may lead more to our folds. We will leave it for now. As you will. And what about the sacrifice? One has been provided. A willing victim. We will reap well tomorrow night. Lay down your soul to the gods rock and roll. This uh, next entry is from a blog by blogger BM Acolyte. It's dated November 2nd, 2018. Tonight it gets real. Yes, tonight I'm going to my first live performance of Redacted, and it is going to be brutal. Hermeticus told me there will be a sacrifice tonight. I'm not sure what qualifies as a sacrifice, but I imagine it means the band members cut themselves and bleed all over the audience, or throw rotting sheep's blood, or something freaking amazing like that. If you haven't been following me up to this point, let me back up a bit. I've been into black metal for several years now, it definitely started as a desire to find the fastest, heaviest, and edgiest music on the planet. No doubt, I came to the right place. Just check out this link to the band, Darkened Nocturne Slaughter Cold. See, this is exactly what I've been looking for. It is not music for the faint of heart. I was younger then. Of course, the scene appeals to the young for its message of freedom and of subverting what is commonly accepted as good. No, scratch that. It's probably not even the message, as much as the fact that all the pentagrams, goat heads, inverted crosses, and other satanic imagery scares and pisses off their parents. I've been there. It's an easy way to give all the parental and religious authority figures the middle finger. But we should strive to mature beyond that. The more I listen to this music, the more I realize that all the demonic stuff is just a front. Even the evil lyrics are more about the delivery than the content. It is the sound itself that holds power. Relentless gunning drums, high tremolo picking, 
raw, fuzzy riffs and screeched vocals. I began my search in earnest. I started poking around black metal groups and forums online, as well as those of occult practice. There had to be more. Black metal itself has always been an underground genre, but there had to be something beyond all the obscure basement one-man bands pushing out lo-fi limited release singles and EPs. I'm talking about secret shows and secret bands. I'm not going to say I found one, but let me just say that my relentless dedication to the genre and the art has paid off. Hermetic has found me in my search. He has taken me under his wing and shown me what the truth sounds like. I'm very excited to finally be part of this. This is what it was like in the scene's beginning. In the beginning, people died for this art. I would gladly do so as well if I could have access to just a glimpse of true cult black metal. All right. I like it. Yeah, so anyway, just I was inspired to write this story. It's been something that's kind of been on my mind for a long time because uh, I am a fan of black metal and uh, and I've kind of had this uh, this story in mind of, of this uh, this guy in the beginning who kind of discovers this uh, this sound that he originally does as like a composition kind of like a classical musician or something like that mm-hmm. and then it creates this musical genealogy that carries on into the present day so that mm-hmm. there's a link and like a kind of a power linked to the sound that this music creates coming up leading up to today and maybe it'll be the jumping off point for a larger narrative uh, maybe a battle between good and evil and it's all the music music is the weapon mm-hmm. yeah that sounds like a cool story <laughs> but uh but yeah i liked i liked writing it in this format because i wanted it to sound um have some verisimilitude and sound like mm-hmm. actual entries from different things, kind of mm-hmm. like some of my favorite creepy pastas. So that's why I wrote it like that. Okay. All right. Well, it was a good story. I enjoyed it. I hope our listeners have enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, that's it for this episode of the Long Overdue Podcast. Mm-hmm. And check us out on all of our social media. Listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play Music, all that.